Hey, everybody. Great episode of the Bitcoin show today. We are joined by guest Will Kasserich. He is a Bitcoin Core, Lightning Network, and Noster developer, founder of Domus, decentralized and uncensored social network built on Noster. He is widely recognized for his work and belief in using decentralization as a way to power freedom of speech. So really great episode with him. We dive into the details of Noster. We talk about Domus. We talk about social media in 2023, how censorship is impacting social media. Overall, it's a great episode of the show. Hope you enjoy. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Bitcoin show. We usually do the show at 2 p.m. It's at 12 p.m. Eastern time today. It happens every single Tuesday where we discuss all things Bitcoin past, present, and future. I'm your host, P.O., here with my co-hosts, Aubrey Strobel and Trevor Owens. Aubrey, of course, being a marketing partner at Trust Machines, host of The Observation, former head of communications at Lolly, and a big-time Bitcoin content creator in her own right. Make sure you uh, subscribe to The Observation on YouTube. I'm sure you can find the link in her profile. Aubrey, how's it going? Oh, it's a good day, P.O. Feels good, GM. Yeah, I mean, the song hits a little bit different today. I'm not going to lie. The, the beginning of the show... It does. <laughs> it hits a little bit different today. I'm, re- I'm really excited. I think this is the first episode of this show where we've had a pump the day before, uh, so it feels good. It makes me feel like this show is going to be even more fun moving forward if we keep going. Like Larry Fink keeps putting the team on his back. Um, But anyway, the other co-host of the show, Trevor Owens, of course, an investor in Bitcoin startups, partner at the Bitcoin Frontier Fund, CEO of Ninja Alerts, which I'm sure many of you know about at this point. And of course, the host of The Ordinal Show, also on Twitter spaces. Trevor, how's it going? Going well, P.O. Yeah, what a great day. Um, actually, it's next week is the 15th anniversary of the Bitcoin white paper. So maybe we can keep this pump going for a few more days here leading into that. But yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is doing incredibly well. Uh, it's at, an, at a, I believe, a two-year high in Bitcoin dominance, which is exciting and just shows the promise and you, you more use cases and more uh, uh, coming to Bitcoin. So that's super exciting. And I think we're we're looking towards a very exciting halving coming up next year. I couldn't have said it better myself. And obviously, we're going to dive into all of that. Uh, reminder to everybody that the show is brought to you in partnership with Trust Machines. You see the account as a co-host on stage today. Trust Machines is the company growing the Bitcoin economy by building applications that are all on Bitcoin and its various layers. So Leather Wallet is a recent release from Trust Machines. Leather is a self-custodied, open-source, and audited wallet, and it allows users to secure and manage Bitcoin, Ordinal, StackCell2, and other other Bitcoin secured assets like BRC20. So if you want more information on Leather Wallet, you can go to leather.io or follow Leather on Twitter. Also, make sure you give Trust Machines a follow. That's at Trust Machines Co. or go to trustmachines.co for more info on Trust Machines. Uh, so without any further ado, we have a very special guest today, Will Casterin. He's a Bitcoin Core Lightning Network and Noster developer, founder of Damus, which is a decentralized and uncensored social network built on Noster, widely recognized for his work and belief in using decentralization as a way to uh, power freedom of speech. Talk about a movement that we can get behind. Will, welcome to the show. Hello, how's it going? Oh, it's going well. It's going well. Thank you for joining us. How are you feeling today after yesterday? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, 
that's quite the pump we got there. So <laughs> it's uh, it's been a while since we had a, a candle that that large. So it's you know it's I'm feeling good. <laughs> well, I've heard you say on other podcasts before that you are fully on a Bitcoin standard, at least in your personal life. I, I believe actually your business too. Uh, you pay everyone in Bitcoin, and and you don't keep fiat currency. You're a hundred percent. You know you've bought into the future. Uh, I'd imagine days like yesterday, you know, feel pretty good. We're gonna obviously talk about decentralization and and everything in between, but could you? Kind of, I, I think a lot of people in the audience would probably find you know operating on a Bitcoin standard, you know, right now in 2023, pretty fascinating. Could you kind of you know share a little bit on on your mentality surrounding that? Yeah, I guess at some point, you know, if you if you really believe in in the technology and and, and kind of like what it means for the future, you might as well just go all in. And you know, considering how messed up all the currencies are in the world and how messed up banking is. It just seems like, you know, you might as well just like go with what you believe in. And that's kind of how I've always seen Bitcoin. So I might, uh, yeah, so just going on the Bitcoin standard was just obvious for me. And um, yeah, yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Absolutely. And sorry about that. I was muted for a moment. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back. Uh, well, anyway, well, thank you for that insight. And we typically start this show with what I would describe as like an open-ended starting question. And so you're really big on just discussing the concept of decentralization. I think that in the Bitcoin space, it's very well understood. However, in the broader crypto space, which when you get on a platform like Twitter, a platform like X, you do have bleed into the kind of broader crypto space. I don't think that that is fully understood because I see individuals on Twitter a lot of times talking about decentralization. But when they're talking about it, they're referring to assets that I personally don't believe are truly decentralized. So I, I guess from your perspective, you know, what does decentralization actually mean, maybe both uh, in the context of, of Bitcoin and crypto and outside of that? And then also from your perspective, you know, as someone that doesn't live in the United States, uh, why do we actually need decentralization? I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the whole point of decentralization is to reduce the amount of risk that comes from, you know, a single party having too much control over any given thing you're, you're working with. So in the case of Bitcoin, it's it's your money, right? You don't want to have like, uh, you know, your money in, in control of a handful of people that can like shut it down or freeze your, you freeze your funds or uh, to have unilateral control over, you know, what you're allowed, you know, what money you're allowed to send, what money you're not allowed to send. So decentralization, um, if for money, you know, Bitcoin, I feel like represents that the best, which is, you know, you don't want one, you know, government or one bank or, you know, saying that you you can or cannot send, you know, your funds. Um, and, and in terms of uh, social networking, you know, you know, I think the default that people are used to is using these big tech platforms where they say what you're allowed to post. Um, and if you go against their policies, they can remove you from the platform. And it just... You know, it just feels wrong. You know, especially when it comes to, when it comes to you know speech. It's like one of these fundamental things that you, we're supposed to we're supposed to have, and we're supposed to be unrestricted on. Um, but you know, in, in in cyberspace, that's something we just don't have. We don't have like freedom of speech on, online because we, we rely uh, on these large tech platforms, you know, for speech. So I feel like Nostra represents um, truly true freedom of speech in cyberspace because no no central no single entity can kind of censor you or tell you what you're allowed to say and what not what you're not allowed to say. 
Absolutely. And going through the acquisition of, of X or by Elon, you know, then Twitter, I think, uh, brought a lot of these concepts to light. Uh, just a quick question on Noster. I've heard you say before that you don't want Noster to only be, you know, a Bitcoin-focused platform, right? And, and I think that, you know, makes sense. How are you framing Noster for the long term when it comes to getting people that maybe aren't native Bitcoiners onto the platform? Yeah, it's one of the things that we actually are really care about on the Nostra space because we feel like Nostra is more important than just like, you know, a, a group for a bunch of Bitcoiners to hang out in. Um, I, you know, it just it was just a weird um, result of like history that, you know, a bunch of Bitcoiners were involved in the development of the protocol and a lot of Bitcoiners are on the network right now. But it's definitely it's, it's not built on Bitcoin. It's, it has nothing to do with Bitcoin. It just happens to have a lot of Bitcoiners in it right now. Um, and we but we don't want that. Right. We want this technology to be built for everyone and we don't want to turn people off of it. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we have this hashtag on Nostra right now called Grow Nostra, which is trying to encourage people to post things other than Bitcoin because um, there's just so, too much Bitcoin content right now. Um, so we need to, you know, just get more people on and just kind of show people why it's useful outside of the Bitcoin use cases. Absolutely. And, and from your perspective, uh, I don't know how closely you paid attention to it, but I imagine that you, you're at least aware. H has Elon... Uh, kind of changed X for the better? I mean, obviously, there was a history of censorship on the platform. Do you feel that the changes that have been made to X are actually for the better thus far? I think, you know, his initial, you know, he set out to build a, a more, you know, free speech online via his platform. But I am very skeptical skeptical because in, at the end of the day, it's always going to come down to whoever's in charge of the platform. And yeah, maybe at one point he, he was, you know, in charge and trying to make sure that that was the case. But, but at the end of the day, what's going to happen is like these trust and safety teams and these like the new CEOs are going to be, and it's just, it's just going to go back to, you know, the original, um, you know, the way that it was simply because they have to, right. By law, they have to do certain things. Um, and they're beholden to, um, you know, third parties in some sense. So in some sense, I, I'm, I'm just not optimistic because what they're, what they're trying to do is impossible. Like you can't build a free speech platform on, on a centralized platform. It has to be decentralized if you, if you want true free speech. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think what he's doing, he's actually trying to make it work, but it's just, it's an impossible task in some sense. Fair take. Uh, Aubrey has her hand raised question for Will. Yeah. Hi, Will. So nice to meet you um, via Twitter spaces. I've been using Noster for, for a while now and really enjoying it. Um, kind of just going back to the question or what we were discussing um, about getting users on, they're not, you know, pro Bitcoin or maybe having, don't have any interest in Bitcoin, but have interest in decentralization. Um, you know, and I think in the Twitter early days, I was on Twitter when it was just like SMS updates from people. You would really get like, mess it was 2009. I think you were just getting like SMS messages from on your phone. It was so clunky and funny, but it was just cool to have any sort of connection at all uh, with people. And so there was sort of this like, you know, curve that needed to be jumped over with uh, people getting on and feeling like they needed to use other than Facebook. With Noster, do you feel like that is going to come? Obviously, like the first wave is more tech focused Bitcoin people, but do you feel like that next wave of people, of adopters, users are going to come through an opportunity or is it going to be more fear based? You know, that that there is like shutdown or censorship on these platforms. Um, I'm just trying to figure out like how you, we get those next users are on to the platform. I mean, one thing we notice is um, we, so we have this, 
we have a joke that we, we call Elon our chief marketing officer because whenever he fucks up, we get like a huge wave of users. <laughs> so it might be one of those situations where, um, you know, people just keep fucking up over and over to the point where it just it seems like inevitable. And this is what people just need to, need to move to. So it might be fear based. Um, but I, I, we we're trying to a, a, a parallel approach, which is like just try to add more features and uh, make it more fun and more interesting. Because right now it's kind of clunky. Like a lot of the Nostra clients, they don't have like algorithms even, right? The algorithm is just chronological timeline, which is actually pretty great. Like I, I prefer that, but a lot of, a lot of users actually don't, um, don't like that. They expect to open up the app and to have like a TikTok like experience where they just scroll and not have to follow anyone. Um, so right now it, it just takes a lot of work um, to get into the system because you have to like find people, you have to follow them. So even just finding people is difficult. So we're just kind of working through these early on, like usability issues and stuff that like, you know, apps that we're used to just like have be by default. And um, so maybe once we get there, it'll uh, it'll be easier for people to start using it. But yeah, so maybe it's probably a combination of both like just usability and, um, you know, the big tech platforms continuing to censor people and moving people over. Aubrey, any follow up on that? Otherwise, we can go to Trevor who just raised his hand. Uh, yeah, just wondering... I guess, I don't know if this is Trevor's question or not, but with these other competitors that are trying to create decentralized, you know, socials, is that, you know, is it, it just feels like it's pretty difficult to, to scale. And I'm just wondering how you sort of see that, like, what is, what is unique to you, uh, like, you know, for Noster compared to something else like Mastodon or something yeah, so what's what I feel like is pretty unique about Noster is um, what we're we're not actually building like a protocol specifically for social media. In some sense, what it is is it's a it's a protocol for interoperable application data. Um, so if you wanted to build like an Instagram, if you wanted to build a Twitter, if you wanted to build even if like a Slack or you know any other, there's actually a lot of different uses cases that you could build on, on top of Noster. And um, what we're what we're finding is like you can start building these applications and you in instantly inherit a, a, the network effects from Noster. Um, so we feel like um, because it has a very flexible protocol at the at the uh, yeah in terms of like that the data layer on the protocol, um, we're we're hoping that there's going to be so many applications that um, it's kind of gonna it's gonna snowball um, where we just have so many use cases where and and it's gonna bring lots of people on that way versus just specifically like in the blue sky cases or like specifically just building a social media protocol which is kind of limiting um, so we, we feel like we have that kind of advantage um, and I mean and for comparing to like Mastodon or something like Mastodon is a complete shit show in terms of censorship so I'm not even really worried about that but I don't know oh anyway so we have yeah we're just doing things differently <laughs> <laughs> doing things differently. Trevor, you have your hand raised question for William? Yeah, William, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think Noster is just out of the out of the gate way better than Mastodon. I mean, I know about Mastodon for years and just never took the step to to get started. And I think that, you know, I view Noster as like this open app store for all types of applications. And like the the Twitter feed is just kind of the the entry point. I'm I'm curious, um, you know, for for people who are just signing up and getting into it. What are your recommendations to like for users to activate themselves? Like, what is the happy path to that aha moment with Damis or with or with Noster? And then, what are some of the uh, use cases that you're excited about in terms of um, applications that people could build? Um, one of the coolest things that I, I've seen, of course, because I'm I'm very plugged in the ordinal space, is early on there was this thing called Open Ordex, which was like a way to broadcast. Uh, listings, you know, openly for uh, PSBTs um, so that any marketplace could pick them up. And when you look at the Ethereum ecosystem, those listings are very uh, 
you know, uh, in a walled garden, like, and there's no way to like, you know, mass list easily, but using Noster, I thought that was a very interesting use case. And I, and I, and I love that use case kind of extending that further with maybe more business use cases or like ways that Noster can kind of reinvent the concept of, of an API. And so I'm just curious on, on your thoughts, what you're excited about. And also for anyone in the audience who hasn't downloaded your app or tried Noster yet, what is that happy path uh, to get to that aha moment or get, get onboarded? Yeah, so I'm I'm a bit biased. I I think your best experience is if you were to, if you're on iOS is to download Domus and uh, try it out. Um, we, we're trying to build the best onboarding experience for Noster. Um, and if you're on Android, definitely check out what, what's the best Android thing. I guess there's not many good Android ones. Maybe Primal. Try try Prime Primal. Maybe Amethyst. Um, and yeah, just attach. It's actually really important to attach a Lightning address. And, and if you never experienced Lightning before, it's not too difficult. You can download a wallet, a wallet like Wallet Satoshi or Albi. And just put your little lightning address in your in your profile and just ask for a zap and people just start sending you money. It's kind of fun. Um, I feel like that's a big aha, aha moment for a lot of people is just when they start receiving uh, Bitcoin. I think it's funny. I think we orange pilled Edward Snowden. He like joined the network and we're like, oh, get, you know, add a lightning address. He's like, what? Like, uh, isn't Bitcoin slow? I'm like, no, we're just try it. And then everyone started zapping him on the network. <laughs> and he was, he's like, what the hell? This is amazing. Um, so yeah, he's a huge, huge uh, Nostrum Bitcoin person now. I think because of, uh, because of Noster, and I think like that's a huge reason why. Um, actually, that's a big fun, fun thing about the network is that we're starting to orange pill a lot of people who might not realize how, how fun and easy Bitcoin is. Um, and in terms of, yeah, the other question was um, use cases. Yeah, like like use like, cases. Oh, and yeah, maybe yeah. things that like aren't as obvious for for people. Like the whole idea <clears> that it could be used as like kind of like a B two B way to distribute like. API, like an alternative to an API that we're typically used to in web two was kind of, um, an aha moment for me. Yeah. In some sense, when you're, when you're talking on the protocol and when you're building applications on this protocol, um, there's no, there's no rest API, right? It's like, you're just, you're just literally just sending notes and receiving notes over WebSockets. So that is the API. And, um, it's like this really cool unified interface, um, that you can build on top of. So like some of the things I'm interested in is, especially business use cases, because I, I, in some sense, want to replace my business on top of like all these tools I'm using. I'm using like email. I'm using, you know, I'm not using Slack. I hate Slack. But if I was using Slack, you know, um, <laughs> on all these things, uh, but like, I feel like all of these tools could be replaced with Nostra tools. And what's cool about this is that you could um, run your own relay within your org within your own organization and you can have all these custom built tools just for your org. It's all private and um, it's only and so I think I think those types of use cases are really cool. Um, but those are just business use cases. I, there's some, some other really cool ones that people are working on right now. So one is called zap.stream. If you go there, it's, I think it's a website. You go there and you can kind of, it's kind of like they're trying to build like Twitch TV, but on Oster, which is kind of cool. Um, and people are like zapping each other. So instead of like bits or whatever you get on Twitch, you get like zaps, which are fun. Um, so I think it's just slowly replacing like all the existing use cases that we already have in a more decentralized way. Um, and, but, and then what's even cooler is now it's all interoperable. Um, so yeah, I, I think that is the thing that I think uh, that will eventually like click for people is like, oh wait, I have all these two, all these applications that are just as good as other uh, that the existing applications, but now they all work together. Like I can retweet something from my from Twitch TV or, um, yeah. So I think I think those are all really exciting use cases. Very cool feather in your cap, uh, orange pilling Edward Snowden. That's no joke. I saw Aubrey had raised her hand for a moment. Aubrey, do you have a question for Will? Uh, yeah. 
I had the uh, the opportunity to attend the like creator summit at Meta recently, and it was just interesting because <laughs> I feel like I kind of came in with like a, a chip on my shoulder. Not that I'm anti-Meta, but like kind of a low key. Um, so they were they were having uh, creators in there, and they were talking about Threads and the launch of that. Um, and then just going back to interoperability, they were talking about how that if at Meta, uh, this was coming from the head of Instagram, um, Adam Mosseri who was saying that if you violate policies on Meta, Instagram, Facebook, threads, that potentially your posts may not end up on those platforms in the future, but they would have interoperability with Mastodon. And so then it would live there. And so it this group of people who were in the room weren't very like tech focused. They were mostly uh, influencers and creators. And I'm, I think they were kind of interested in that in some way, but I'm just wondering too, I think this is more of just your thoughts on, on how Meta is going against or going, you know, to move forward with, uh, with decentralized social. And if you think it's just like, uh, like a big sham or, you know, he's kind of getting a large group of notable people to create on those platforms. And so just how you're thinking about getting creators over um, to Noster. Yeah, it's interesting because they, they've been talking about, you know, decentralization. I don't know if it's like a, a PR thing that they're doing or they're actually going to do it because they keep talking about doing the uh, integration with Mastodon and ActivityPub, but I don't, I don't even know if they're doing it yet. And in some, in some sense, they don't really need to do it because it's just like they're so big and I don't, and they don't get a lot of benefits out of it. Um, so yeah, I, I will, I'll, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, and the fact that it, they're interacting with like an, a crappier protocol is like, okay, that's fine, I guess. Um, but, and, and, but it, what's actually pretty cool is that Nostra bridges pretty well with Mastodon. So I think this, this guy named Alex Gleason, he built a bridge between uh, Mastodon and Nostra. So you can actually follow people on Mastodon from Nostra. So that's, so in some sense, if once they get that integration done, you, you should be able to follow meta people from um, from Damas, which will be kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is the biggest challenge is that the content creators, they'll, they just want to be where the, the most where everyone is right. And Nostra is right now not the place where everyone is. Um, but I, I feel like once um, people start zapping more, um, once we build like a really strong zap economy and I feel like creators could we'll have a much bigger payout payout that way once we have enough users and everyone's zapping, but we're not there yet. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how we're going to get there. Um, it's kind of like, yeah, again, one of those chicken and egg problems, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because especially with advertising money, you know, we saw that on Twitter recently where they started giving lots of money away and there's just, you know, advertisers have billions of dollars and it's like, how do you, how do you compete with that sometimes? So it's, it's going to be a challenge, I think. And will, uh, will just to follow up on that. So, is there a no advertiser policy on Nostra? I'd assume, uh, per perhaps, right? Well, it's a, it would be a choice of the client. So, if you wanted to build a client that has advertisements in it to like kind of fund development of the client, there's nothing wrong against that. There's nothing wrong with that. You can you can totally do that. But the issue is you're competing with every other client who doesn't have ad ads in their app. Um, so it's a it's a bit harder um, to as as a sell because there's no monopoly over the client, right? Sure, sure. And Trevor has his hand raised. Trevor, question for Will, and then I have one about uh, you know just building in these market conditions. Go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, uh, Will. So I'm just I'm just curious about kind of the the, the integrations and tie-ins with Lightning and Noster, and also from like a architectural or kind of like design paradigm perspective. Like you know, I think Noster came from the Lightning community. I think it was like uh, one of ZBD's uh, developers or researchers that was like a contributor to it. And I know that it's been very, uh, 
you know, that community has been very excited about it. And when you look at like the, the rest of the blockchain ecosystem, like Ethereum, for example, they had, they like, you know, tried out state channels for a while. They went away from it, but Bitcoin has been very focused on it. And like, you know, it's a different paradigm, but I think that's also a great thing because it gives it significant advantages. And I'm curious about the integrations between Lightning and Noster. And like, is there something about the, the architectures that make them very compatible? Number one. And number two would be like, what about Lightning's uh, design paradigm? Do you think either led to um, like a, a community of Lightning developers kind of conceptualizing it? Or maybe that, that's not the case. It's just kind of unrelated. I'm just very, very curious about, you know, how like this paradigm of, of application development. Yeah, I mean, um, again, it might be just like a fluke because, you know, Fiat Jazz, he made um, Noster and he was working on a lot of LNural stuff. So kind of the core um, web lightning protocols. And, you know, I was working on lightning at the time and I, I just happened to notice what he was doing and I started building on it as well. Um, but there's no, there's no reason why it needs to be Bitcoin related at all. Like you could have like, you know, Ethereum zaps or even Fiat zaps. Um, you know, all, all a zap is, um, it was just a, a spec that I built on top of Nostra, which is when a lightning node receives a payment, it just sends a note to Nostra. It's like, it's relatively simple. It's like this sending receipts to, to Nostra, but there's no reason why you couldn't even do that with like on-chain Bitcoin, on-chain Ethereum. You could do it with anything. It's just like, it was just sending receipts to, to Nostra. So um yeah i mean i i think we'll in the future once we have more and more clients we're start we're gonna start to see like monero clients and like maybe ethereum clients that have like ethereum zaps um uh, but right now i just feel like uh you know yeah so i, I don't know maybe maybe that'll be a thing maybe maybe it'll always be a bitcoin thing i don't know but i, I really hope it's a, a much larger ecosystem than just than just bitcoin stuff yeah appreciate the detail and you know one concept that we talk about on the show a lot well with different guests that we have on is the entrepreneurial side of building in this you know industry if you will and the cyclical nature of it the fact that you know when things are good they're unbelievable uh, a lot of that has direct correlation to price and it you know at least from my perspective it can be relatively challenging uh, during the not so good periods to be building uh, you know in the industry compared to when things are at all-time highs and unbelievable um, I had a question for uh, you on Noster. Do you feel like, if you're really brutal about it, do you feel like use and adoption of Noster increases, you know, uh, when Bitcoin's price is actually going up, like when the market is better? Does that have an impact on the platform or are you guys uh, just totally, you know, just not correlated to that? Yeah, I don't think we're correlated because I find like a lot of, you know, what happens is we just get a lot of normies that join and they, and they don't, they don't, they don't know anything about Bitcoin or the price of Bitcoin, um, and they just get kind of like exposed, exposed to it, um, and then they're like, "Wow, this is kind of cool." And they just they use Zaps as a way to like send value back and forth, and they don't really have to like think about how it works. Um, I think it gets confusing sometimes when it's like um, now, like when they're when they're zapping, and then like the price increases, and now it's like, "Oh, now I have to like reduce the the amount of my Zaps," so they have to like. Anyway, so I think they see the, the price increase and how it changes the value of Zap sometimes, and then they get kind of like, whoa, what's going on? Uh, but yeah, I don't think we're correlated that much. Um, uh, yeah, because we're just, it's not, it's not like, I really don't want to be hyper-focused on Bitcoin, and that's never really been a goal in Nostra. It's just kind of like a fun little side thing and completely optional in most Nostra clients. But uh, I think most people join because they just like, they like the social experience, and they, uh, and I don't even know that they necessarily join for like censorship resistance. Uh, it just feels like a nice alternative right now to like a lot of the other platforms. 
Sure, sure. Well, I must be nice. Must be definitely nice to not, uh, you know, be married to the price of an asset. Obviously, the, the way you know many businesses kind of are. Um, I guess when it comes to operating the business, I have heard you say that everybody gets paid in Bitcoin. It's a Bitcoin-based business. Could you share a little bit of detail on that? Because I, I find it fascinating as somebody that operates a business now, you know, with a with a fiat standard uh, for the business. Um, what's it like actually running a hundred percent of the business on Bitcoin? I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cool, actually. I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, we, so we get paid, um, it's actually mostly just all Jack's money, let's be honest. So Jack Dorsey, <laughs> he gave like, uh, I think it was like 10 million or something uh, to, 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 to in Bitcoin development. So we, we, we operate on grants from OpenSats. Um, so we get paid in Bitcoin from there. Um, it's not like enough to like, you know, I mean, with, if we went VC funding route, I'm sure we can get a lot more money. So we're kind of running pretty pretty lightweight and that's fine because like we're just building a client where don't, we don't run a lot of infrastructure um so it, it's uh easy to like kind of run a little bit you know more lightweight but um yeah this is my first time running a business so i'm not like really good at it but i'm still trying to like figure it out and i realized how, how difficult it is um so i have a lot more respect for entrepreneurs and people building in the space because the shit is very hard um, especially if you don't have like a lot of money <laughs> um but it's really fun just being on the bitcoin standard because you get to just like use the thing that you love every day and people can pay people in uh, in the currency that is like that people that they love so um it's very it's very nice in that sense <laughs> Yeah, it's incredibly difficult. I mean, we have a newish guy at my business, and he proactively sent me a uh, a message on Slack on a platform that you don't like, but on Slack uh, that was like, you know, oh, I had no idea how much actually went into this stuff. I would have never guessed the amount of work that it takes to run the business. And I'm like, yeah, man, we're not we're not hanging out on the beach. This is like a you know sixty to eighty hour a week thing every single week, and working on the weekends and everything in between. It's really really hard. Um, Will, one other concept that we talk about on this show a lot is the difference in perception you know, of Americans versus the rest of the world, or other parts of the world, I should say, and the difference between um, you know, what it's like to be operating and living in America and on the U.S. dollar standard you know, versus other countries. You are in Canada. And so uh, even though I think a lot of people probably associate Canada as another North American country, like not that different than the U.S., um, there's kind of a lot of stuff that's different. Uh, you know, Canada has passed the Online News Act, which requires big tech companies like Meta to pay news outlets if they'll display their news on their platform. Obviously, you're a big decentral de decentralization guy. W what do you make of what is happening in Canada? It, does it worry you? Are you going to stick around there? Like, wh what's your perspective on that? Yeah, so we basically have a complete idiot as a as a leader. So um, I think he's a joke, and I think what he's trying to do is just completely pointless, especially. Um, with technology like Nostr. So, uh, like, you know, you know, this idea of, you know, being able to say you're allowed, what you're allowed to post if, it's, if you're a news organization or not, it's just, first of all, it's, it's not going to be enforceable on Nostr. Um, so I'm actually really happy that I'm building this because it's a big, like, fuck you to him and it's not going to, he can't do anything about it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I think this is, it's important that we should be building this technology to, like, fight back against these leaders who think they have more control and power over us than, than they do. Um, and, uh, and hopefully this is just a reality check for them. And can you give a couple of examples that maybe an American <clears throat> wouldn't understand? I mean, it's literally like a, uh, a stereotype that Americans only focus on what goes on in the United States and that we think that nothing else, you know, basically only America matters. But I think a lot of people would find it interesting to understand like, you know, why you think that this guy is an idiot and, and what's going on over there. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's go into that. Um, 
Yeah, so he he like he basically is he hates any criticism toward him, so he basically has to change the laws so that you have to get a license from him so that um, so only people who are nice to him will give he'll give license to those people. And if you are independent media, then you won't get a license, so you can't say anything um, mean toward him. Um, so basically just to control the media, um, just to like pump up the perception of him because everyone but everyone knows he's a friggin idiot. Like the, 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 he's basically like a high school teacher. He's a drama teacher that somehow got into his position because um, because his father, you know, it's just it's actually a complete joke. If you like look at like the situation, the politics in Canada, it's it's just completely bizarre. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that he's Fidel Castro's son, and you know he has that DNA in him, so he's a complete commie. But um, yeah, it's just it's just completely it's completely sad. And uh, yeah, so I'm really happy to be building this tech just because it really screws him over, and he and he can't censor people who want to post what they want to post. An uncensored take from Will Publius. I saw you raise your hand. Publius is a Bitcoin OG. What's going on? Yeah, thanks, P.O. Um, thanks for having me on. And William, uh, great job building what you're building. Um, you know, there's very few people out there like you who are ac actually have the skills to bring something like this to, you know, production. So thank you. And um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And um, it's interesting that, you know, basically pre-internet, people thought they had free speech, but they really had to get licenses, you know, to like have a news station or what have you. And then when we, we actually do have the internet, the, uh, sort of free speech, free speech becomes, um, sorry. Yeah. Free speech becomes uh, a little more contentious. We're like, Oh, do we have free speech? Like, what can we say? Um, and it seems like for folks like Trudeau, there are certain myths that need to be upheld and certain things that need to be censored in order for him to, you know, continue uh, being in power. Basically, like, there's too many people that are easily scriptable and will just believe whatever the news says. So if you can control the news, you can control basically the election the election process. In what ways do you, are you thinking about onboarding more free thinkers uh, to Noster and Damas? Um, and what concerns do you have, if any, and I have to ask the question, uh, what concerns do you have, if any, that there would be um, uh, some sort of, let's say, like, almost like, uh, you know, Russian, uh, sort of like USSR-style, like, glasnost uh, situation where you just have, people are just saying whatever they want, there's no fact-checking, uh, your your whole reality is being distorted, or and and is that sort of mitigated by the fact that people are basically just all pro Bitcoin, and so they're at least aligned on that vector. So basically, the questions are: What's the plans for growth so that we can have uh, have like a more like basically more free speech on the internet? And two, any concerns uh, of any negative externalities of that growth? Yeah, those are good questions. Um, on the on the growth side, you know, I, I briefly mentioned that before. You know, we're just trying to kind of bring the experiences that people are used to. Um, like right now, the the UX is pretty bad on a lot of the apps, so we're just trying to get to like uh, the base level that people expect. Um, and just like I feel like once we have good usable experiences, more people want to join. It's I don't think it's I don't know if we'll attract people through the censorship resistant aspect unless there's a serious like Black Swan event where censorship gets really bad. Um, 
so so those are that um and the other one was uh sorry what was the other one <laughs> yeah the other one was like basically uh so, so certain certain countries could literally collapse if there was absolute free speech you know for example like like okay, yeah, yeah. like they have they have myths that <clears throat> they have to uphold in order to justify their existence and if you know <laughs> yeah, if you I have, mean, if you have free speech, <laughs> sometimes you have a, yeah, you have an Alex Jones who might be right sometimes and wrong sometimes, and um, you know, you you know, the, the, you, basically, anyone can say anything. I, I'm pro free speech for what it's worth. I'm just kind of curious to to understand you uh, how you think about the contours of free speech and 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 what um, what the potential negative externalities are. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because I, I was at this uh, conference in Spain about it was like digital sovereignty. And this is like the number one question everyone asks. It's like, how are you dealing with misinformation and whatever on your platform? If you people can speak freely, you know, what does that mean? Is the society going to collapse because we're, I don't know. So my, my, whole, my whole point was, um, you know, if we're going to battle this like, you know, perceived issue of misinformation – um, you, we can't do it on a centralized platform. It's just, it's an actual, it's like the worst possible idea if we're going to tackle that because, um, the minute you, you make, you like give the power to like one entity to make the decision what's true or false, especially if you make it black and white like that, then, um, then you just have so many issues with, um, you know, the abuse of that power. Um, so my argument was, Hey, if we, if we have, if we actually want to take this problem seriously, then we need to build, um, tools like it, let's let's build a free market of like you know information misinformation fighting on it on a decentralized network. And so I, I so I was trying to make the argument that you can only really do it on a decentralized network that where where no one one entity is in control. Um, now whether or not like you know some governments can survive like being exposed to like truth for an extended period of time like I don't know like I don't know like. It's pretty bad if, if your entire country is built up on lies and it relies on lying to people to survive. I mean, I think it's a fair point, but like that's it's a pretty sad it's a pretty sad state of affairs if that's the case. Yeah, that happened to USSR. It's like literally collapsed because they they decided to allow free speech and um, and stuff like that. I appreciate yeah, maybe it. It's, it may, maybe it's important that they the things like that collapse if uh, yeah if, you, if they're relying on lies. I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself, Will. Uh, Aubrey has her hand raised. Aubrey? Yeah, uh, kind of going into the AI and uh, fact-checking on that or just validating what is what is AI, what is not in terms of information, images, um, you know, what have you. Have you guys kind of had conversations going into that or what would have been the discussion so far? Is that in terms of like detecting if it's like AI content or something? Yeah, so you know, with with the everything that's happening in the Middle East right now, um, there, there's been a lot of just different images and photos that have circulated, and there's been a lot of even conversation about is this true, is this not, and then even you have the mainstream media kind of putting stuff out there, not sure if if it's true or not, and it's I've really never seen anything quite like it in recent times um, where so much information is coming out at such a rapid speed and yet they, the fact checkers aren't able to keep up with the, with the output of it. And a lot of it is AI, a lot of it's real, but trying to just to kind of prove which one is, which um, is tough 
to getting information out. And so for platforms that are allowing news organizations or whatever to report or even citizen journalists, how are you guys thinking about AI in terms of uh, your platform or have you had conversations about AI? I already have 300 AIs using Nostra right now. <laughs> I think the bigger issue, what I'm seeing is that, um, and, and that is that is an issue, obviously, you know, AI generating fake content, but this this like single algorithm algorithm which is like pumping specific things. So you know, the entire algorithm, I, I, as far as I can tell, on Twitter is designed to just pump engagement. So the thing that that's getting pushed into your feed is not necessarily true. It's simply just there to like um, drive people to either be angry or to like to react. And so the stuff that people react and are angry to isn't necessarily the stuff that is the true content. So I feel like algorithms specifically are are causing lots of chaos and damage in the space. Um, and specifically, um, like only because mainly because there's like one algorithm. It's really just the Twitter algorithm, and and there's no like you know he tried to open source it a little bit and get some insight into it, but we don't really know what it's doing or how it works. Um, so I think if we open this up to like, you know, an ecosystem of algorithms and a marketplace of algorithms, um, we can start to see like different things getting pumped instead of just one specific, um, one specific thing all the time. And anyway, so I see that as the bigger threat versus uh, AI generated content. And Will, you already said that you don't, you're not focused on only, you know, being in the Bitcoin niche or just going after Bitcoiners. But I do wonder, you know, given your focus on decentralization, given your focus on, on free speech, given the issues you've talked about in Canada, does Noster or, or does your team focus on El Salvador and Argentina at all and pay attention to what's going on there and maybe try to attract users in countries like that? I mean, I don't think our team is, I mean, maybe if we had a bigger team, our team is basically just like five people. <laughs> so I don't know, I, I, we're, at, we're just trying to like get this thing up and running and um, working. Um, but if, I feel like once we kind of, once it starts growing a bit more and once we expand our team, it's definitely something we, we'll want to look at. Um, especially because like different areas of the world use social media slightly differently. We, like we're even noticing in Japan, they actually build all their own clients and they're, and they're on their own relays. And they have just a, such a different culture. Um, so what I what I'm really hoping to see is that um, each kind of each area of the world kind of builds their own custom experience on Noster, which which is kind of cool, which you can't really do on centralized platforms. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens in in, in those types of ways. S super cool, and I want to go to Trevor and Aubrey. But quick question: Will, who is Noster's biggest competitor? Uh, I guess I'd, I'd consider it to be um, like just the big tech platforms. I guess um, I mean you could you could try to say that we you know we're competing with Macedon or um, like Farcaster. I was another one that's thrown out a lot, um, but I feel like we're all kind of like fighting in the same fight against big tech because like big tech is the enemy because they have they they are the centralized control over speech and thought and they have the algorithms which can decide what people think and, 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 and things like that. So they are, that, that is really dangerous and that's kind of what we're trying to bring down. So I feel like we're all in the same fight against uh, that threat. Fighting the good fight. Uh, Trevor, question for Will. Yeah. Well, um, how do you recommend like developers get started with Noster? Like where do people go? Where do people uh, join the community? Um, what are like the simplest, like if you're like doing like the hello world, you know, kind of thing, like what is the simplest thing people should build to get there? Uh, their uh, their feet wet, so to say. Yeah, so there's a uh, you, if you go to GitHub.com slash Noster dash protocol slash Noster, you'll you'll or even slash Nips. Those are the kind of the two main repository. 
Um, so NIPS stands for Nostra Implementation Possibilities. Um, it's play on, it's, it's kind of like BIPs, but we have NIPS. And so you can kind of read the, the, the actually the entire protocol is a single markdown document, which you can read in like 10 minutes. And you can basically start building right away because it's just WebSocket. So you can open up your browser, probably type, I, 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 I did an experiment. I typed, I tried to get the shortest, the smallest possible Nostra client. You can get it in like, a, uh, probably like 20 lines of JavaScript. So just try, go through that ex exercise. Just like open up your JavaScript console or the JavaScript file, try to connect to the relays with Dav uh, with WebSockets and, and just, just be blown away how, how simple it is. Um, so that's, I recommend people just say, yeah, just jump in and, and start programming it. We have a, a Telegram channel, which is pretty big. I think it's almost up to 10,000 people now. Um, so definitely join the Telegram, ask, they'll ask questions there. Uh, and on Nostra, do hashtag ask Nostra and you can get people to like answer you. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, there's lots of different resources these days. Awesome to hear. And Publius, I saw you raise your hand for a moment, then we can go to Aubrey. Publius? Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I was going to, uh, if it hadn't already been asked, I was going to ask him if Elon sort of open sources his algorithm um, and, I don't know, like hosts uh, x.com on Starlink or something like that. Um, what's, yeah, how does, how does, um, how does, how does basically can can Noster adapt to Twitter basically decentralizing? Can Twitter decentralize? I think Twitter could be its own Noster relay. Um, so I, I don't see any reason why it couldn't do that. And then you know other Noster clients could connect to it. But honestly, the biggest advantage of Twitter is that they they have you know centralization is actually quite useful for them because they can control a lot of things that way. So I don't know if they'll ever do that. Uh, I asked Jack. I was like, you know, is is Elon paying attention to Noster and Elon and Jack's like, yeah, it's, he's paying close attention. So it's definitely on his radar, um, which is probably why they, I think they banned mentioning Noster like in the early days, <laughs> which was kind of funny. Um, but uh, yeah, they, I, he probably sees Noster as a threat. And I even noticed like sometimes when we push features out on Noster, it's like they have it on Twitter like a week later. I'm like, Oh, I guess, I don't know if he's responding to it or it's just like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. Sounds like Elon. Uh, Aubrey, you have your hand raised. What's going on? That's, that's actually so funny. Um, you know, I'm, well, first of all, I just want to say the York team is so great. And anytime I've ever had an issue um, on Oster, on Domus, or it, like you guys have hopped in immediately. So I just want to say thank you. Um, I wanted to talk about Noster Asia, which I think is coming up the first week of November in Tokyo, in Japan. I think if I'm getting it right. Um, and just wanted you, and just like if you could explain to people like what's going to be happening there um, and give like a little rundown on that. Yeah, it's 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 our second um, Noster kind of conference, I guess. I guess we're it's kind of technically an unconference. The first one was was in Costa Rica um, when Jack was like, "Yeah, come down to Costa Rica and we'll do a, a huge Noster party." And it was pretty cool. We all hung out with Jack, and yeah, Jack's a huge like supporter of Noster, and uh, he's been you know funding these these conferences. So um, it's basically just a big like hangout of Noster people. So if you want to hang out with a bunch of Nostriches. Um, and talk about Noster. It's it's going to be a great time. Um, I think we're up to like almost a thousand people at this one. So yeah, it's just going to be a big party. So if you like to party and uh, and you like Tokyo, then you should come. Trevor, any closing question for Will? Yeah, I, I want to ask like another kind of like dev dev oriented question. So um, like when you when you when you do that like simple Noster client and you connect to relays, like is there any like strategy with connecting to specific relays? Like yeah, I'm just like what is that experience of like getting an application out there and like, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't have an experience, so I'm just curious. 
Yeah, it's a good point. Like, so you you have to make that choice. Like, what relay do I use? So if you're just testing, you can spin up your own relay. It's kind of fun um, to see how how easy it is to run a relay and send notes to it. But that's kind of like you know, there's no one else on that relay, so it's not really too much fun. Um, so you can try to connect to one of the more popular ones. So I think there's a website called Noster.watch where you can kind of see all the you know all the relays. Um, I think I run the largest relay, so relay.domus.io. So if you want to see lots of stuff going on, you can connect to that one. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, just 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 try it out and uh, sorry, one sec. Huh? Little interruption, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Uh, my my COO said I should mention my merch store. <laughs> uh, we have a merch store. If you want to support Damas, store.damas.io. Um, yeah, that's one way you can help support um, Damas and uh, you know support freedom of speech on the on the internet. There you go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you give Will a follow right here on Twitter. If you're just listening on the audio podcast version of this show, his Twitter handle is at JB55. Check out Noster. Check out, check out Damas. A anywhere else people can find you, Will? Anywhere you want to drive people to? Yeah, I'm on uh, Noster. If you just type in JB55 at JB55.com, um, you can find me that way. Uh, you can obviously go to the store, support Damas. Um, Damas.io is the website. And uh, yeah, just uh, check it out. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks so much for joining, Will. It was a real pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, we do the show every single week on Tuesdays, usually at 2 p.m. Eastern, sometimes a little bit earlier in the day like today. Show is also available on Apple and Spotify podcasts, so make sure you check it out. Check out the content created by Trevor, by Aubrey, the observation on YouTube, the ordinal show by Trevor on Twitter spaces, among other places. Give everyone on stage a follow, and obviously our guest today, Will, should get a follow from you too. One more shout out to the partner of this show, Trust Machines, the leather wallet has just released. It's a self-custodied open source and audited wallet that allows users to secure and manage Bitcoin ordinals, Stacks L2, and other Bitcoin secured assets like BRC20. Check out Leather Wallet at leather.io. And of course, give Trust Machines a follow at Trust Machines Co. or TrustMachines.co if you want to follow a company growing the Bitcoin economy by building applications all on Bitcoin. We will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next time.